Welcome back to another episode of the Woe Podcast about horses and horsemanship. I'm your host, John Hare. You found the show that talks about all things horses. Yes, we've been on somewhat of a sporadic schedule lately. Thanks for your patience and understanding. If you have followed along all summer, you know I competed in the Vaquero Heritage Trainers Challenge. Yes, I got to train a wild horse from the very beginning. We competed in October and Scratch and I placed fourth in the competition. It was a wonderful experience and one that was quite different from last year. Last year, I covered the event for the show. This year, I met Key Budge. Key covered the VHTC for the Tehachapi News and conducted several interviews. He does a great job, and when I asked him for the audio, he was very generous. I thought you guys would enjoy hearing from the different trainers. Key works as a radio reporter and has one of those great radio voices that I tried to make a deal with the devil for, but even the devil said there was just only so much he could do. Key was covering the event for the the Tehachapi News, a local paper, and we thank them for sending Key out. You can find their link to the stories and videos in our show notes. Dave Jeffers has been a professional horseman for 30 years. He works with everything from foals and colts to problem-solving older horses. He believes that it is not what we teach, but how we teach that develops the character of the horse. David had a great performance with his horse, Cortez, in all phases of the competition, and he came in first place. Key interviewed David about his horse and how he chose him from the herd. David, we're out here at the 2015 Vaquero Heritage Trainers Challenge. You're one of the trainers. What drew you to the event? You know, I, I really like the, the wild horses. I actually didn't know about this herd. My friend David Ratchford was in it last year and won it and came out to support him. After seeing the horses and talking to him, and we had similar backgrounds and interests, it just seemed like a really neat deal. And this year, he kind of talked me and throwing my hat in the ring and, and giving it a go. You picked up your horse a couple of months ago, your your first horse. And how, how is that going? What's that relationship been like? You know, it's been it's been really neat. When I went to, to get him, I liked his confirmation. We didn't have a lot of time to pick the horse that we wanted and seeing and the way he was built, I liked, but you don't get a lot of time to see a lot in their personalities. And one of the things I noticed with him was how he would stand off a little bit to the back and kind of hide behind another horse. And, and I'm kind of drawn to the horse that needs a little help or, you know, and so I, I thought that would be an interesting challenge. And when I got him home, he was a little bit more standoffish. I had to take a little bit more time, but one he came around and started coming to me he just kind of latched on and it's a lot different than dealing with a domestic horse and I've dealt with uh, Mustangs and stuff before and these horses being uh, you know a wild horse and and their background was a really big draw to me because of the history and the, the Vaquero history in this area. Erica Underwood lives in Tehachapi. She trains horses five days a week and works with clients to start, train, tune up and fix problem horses. She started riding at eight and has competed in English and the Western show ring. Erica and her horse, Mister, came in reserve champion. Erica talks to Key about her freestyle routine and working with her wild colt. 
the 2015 Vaquero Heritage Trainers Challenge in Tehachapi. We're with uh, Erica Underwood, a local from uh, Tehachapi, and you're a part of this event. You're, you're training this year. Tell us about uh, what you uh, are feeling right now. You just got through with your, your colt, and now you stepped out of the round pen, and let's share how you feel. Well, I've enjoyed the process, definitely. The new colt was harder to catch than my first colt was. My first colt, I think, spoiled me a lot because he was so incredibly easy. I think it'll be a fun fun thing to do. Hopefully tomorrow we can get him caught. What are you looking forward to this weekend? You've got, you're working with your new colt, both all Friday, Saturday, and Sunday in the morning session. And then Friday, Saturday, you get to showcase what you've worked on with your colt for the last four months. Yeah, I'm excited about my freestyle because I taught my horse to lay down. So hopefully in front of all these people, he'll lay down. So I'm mostly excited about the freestyle, but I'm curious to see how everybody else's horses are doing too. You're here from Tehachapi. These are Tehachapi Wild Horses from Oak Creek Canyon. Tell us what brought you to the event. You know, actually Brandy and Jeremy contacted me and said that they had a trainer drop out and I decided to take the spot and go ahead and do it. And I'm really glad I did. Now it was kind of a last minute decision. What is it like working with wild horses as in comparison to a domestic? So much better. <laughs> um, they're like a clean slate, you know, they're like kids when you raise them up badly they turn out badly well these horses come to you with no issues so if they end up with issues it's your fault pretty much but it's been great i really like them what's your goal for the weekend well to win of course (laughs) but if my horse goes through there and does everything quietly and behaves himself i will be very happy with him that's one thing not to lose sight of it is a competition amongst the trainers it's showcasing the intelligence of these horses but it's also more so the connection that you, the trainers, get to make with these horses. Exactly. And my connection with my horse is so good that even if that's all I take away from it, that's good with me. But he's a special little horse, that's for sure. Best of luck this weekend. Thank you very much. Shaula Carboni was born in Italy. She came to the U.S. to work with wild mustangs and learn training techniques. She competed in the 2012 Supreme Mustang Makeover in Fort Worth. Shala talks to Key about the difference between wild and domestic horses. We're out here at the Vaquero Heritage Trainers Challenge 2015. Your, this is your first year event uh, here in, for, with the Vaquero Challenge in Tehachapi. What drew you to the event? I just love wild horses. And I've always been drawn to wild horses. So this was the perfect opportunity to play with them and get to find them homes and you know, have another experience with the wild ones. How many wild horses have you had an opportunity to, to be around or to do some training with? Uh, to be around, many, many, because I used to work at a, at a ranch, a wild horse ranch rescue. So I got to be around like several wild horses, but to train personally, not as many. To gentle, uh, several, but to train under saddle, probably like 20. And a wild horse, a wild horse is different than a domestic horse, and their their nature and temperament, and they also have a special connection with the people that take the time with them. That I heard that the domestic horse is totally different. Is that true? It is true. They are much more aware of their environment and of your body language. So while some domesticated horses will ignore, just because they're so used to see certain body languages that you know we're used to, the wild horse will take it as a you know 
like an invite, a threaten, or whatever, it will read you different. So you have to be careful about your body language because you're actually talking to them. And that's one thing with with uh, weight distribution, your hand movement, even like the tone of your voice, they react to, to everything that, that you're sending off. You say that because they're in the wild, they have to be sensitive of everything around them. And that's, is that the reason why you think that they are so sensitive to every slight movement? Definitely. And is the survivor of the fittest, the survivor, the one that noticed, you know, that the bush was moving, there was something behind it, there was like a threaten behind it. The one that did not notice did not survive. Now, those guys here are a little different because they're like fenced in, so there's not so many enemies, like natural enemies, like, you know, wild animals that can attack them. So they're a little uh, more mellow. But um, if we're talking about Mustangs, it's definitely the survivors of the fittest or the more aware. Now, with the last couple of months that you've had your your young horse, how's that experience been preparing for the challenge today? Oh, it's been awesome. It's been challenging. Like, I wasn't even sure if I wanted to challenge myself so much, but in the end, I'm very happy that I did it because, you know, you get better yourself. And then those guys are so nice, so neat, that I'm so happy that I got a chance to get to play with one of them. Now, you you get to um, meet your colt today to start the weekend, the second horse. What's that experience going to be like? It's going to be exciting, a little scary because there's so many people around us and we're really shy, so I'm not going to lie about it. It's going to be nice to show people how nice those guys are, even, you know, fresh from the wild, so they can see, you know, their nature, their mellow nature. Thank you so much, and, and best of luck this weekend. Oh, thank you very much. Thank you. Steve Perrin is one of two trainers returning for a second year. Steve is from Southern California and has worked with Mustangs for quite some time. Steve talks to Key about groundwork and his young colt. Steve, we're out here at the 2015 Vaquero Heritage Trainers Challenge. You're a return trainer. What brought you to the event originally last year? Well, I really enjoy working with young horses. It seems to be a passion a little bit, and I really enjoy the changes in the horses when they're young. And you were here last year. You're back again this year, so it must have been a good experience up here in Tehachapi and this Vaquero Challenge. Yes. Yes, totally. The group of the people that are putting this on, the uh, people that manage the horses and Jeremy and Brandy that are putting on this event, they're just fabulous people. So I'm I'm grateful and happy to support them. And tell us a little bit about the wild Oak Creek uh, horses that you're uh, working with, got to work with last year and working again this year. Well, they're uh, an interesting group of horses because I've worked with other wild horses and th- this is a very uh, intelligent group. I've worked with other wild horses that are really I guess they're intelligent, but they're more scared, I guess. They're like a cat instead of a dog. <laughs> and these are more dog-like. It's just a pleasure to work with them. Now, you've had your horse for a couple of months. You got him in, I believe, late June. And now uh, today's the, the culmination of this uh, past few months of training. What, what are the things that we should be looking for with, uh, with you and your, um, your wild horse? Well, I guess the understanding, I've done a lot more online on the groundwork. That's what I like to do a lot. I'm not a real polished rider. The groundwork and having the horse look for me to me for direction. Today you were introduced, uh, be introduced to your, your colt, and that's a whole other experience that people get to uh, see. And what, what should we expect this weekend with, with that relationship? It, it is interesting because they've never been touched or worked and been in a round pin with any other human before. So it's basically um, you start teaching them one thing at a time. And it's actually they learn to look at you, you know, and then they learn to turn right or they learn to turn left. And those are basically the first three things they learn. And then from there you build to roping cattle. And Steve, where are you based out of? I'm in uh, Northridge in the San Fernando Valley. 
And if folks want to get a hold of you here after the challenge about uh, whether it's training lessons or your horsemanship, how can they get in contact with you? Probably with Jeremy and Brandy. I'm on Facebook, Steve Perrin in Northridge. Thank you so much and best of luck. All right. Thank you, Key. Work with the horse, not against the horse. That's one of the things Shane Flanagan learned from his father, Sagebrush Flanagan, about horsemanship. Shane traveled from Utah to participate in this year's Vaquero Heritage Trainers Challenge. Shane believes you have to figure out each horse as they are and work with where they are mentally and physically. Shane talks to Key about the Oak Creek Herd and the new colt he is training. Shane, you made the trip from Utah to participate in this event. Tell me what, what drew you to the uh, Vaquero Heritage Trainers Challenge. Well, a friend of mine won it last year, and I kind of watched through social media how he did, and I was very impressed with the format and then with the horses. The format I like because they're not saying day one you got to do this, day two you got to do this. You take it as it comes with the horse. And then I was also impressed with the horses. I grew up around Morgans, and I really appreciate the breed and, and I like them. And so those two things draw me, drew me here. And then meeting the Duns and the Palmers, um, that sealed the deal there. Just really, really neat people. You've had, you've had your first horse now for four months. And what was that relationship like as you came out to the canyon to get your horse and the four months you spent the summer with him? Well, mine, mine I've had for three months. I picked him up in July. First horse had a had a foot problem, and so we can't, they invited us to come back in July. So I brought my wife. She's a lot better hand than I am, and she's got a better eye for horses than I do. And she helped me pick out Joel. Joel Bruce is, is named in honor of a vaquero that passed away this past year. It was just a neat feeling in the canyon, seeing the horses move and, and seeing a herd. I mean, I grew up in, in the Great Basin, and so I'm used to Mustangs and being around Mustangs. But I've never in my life seen a herd of wild wild horses that are so uniform in color and size and temperament and the Morgan shows in them front to back it shows up in them and it's, it's a neat feeling in that canyon it's so quiet and peaceful and being able to go there and watch them work the horses and pick one out can't ask for a better deal than that and I take it I can tell that, that you've got a deep relationship with this horse and I think this horse is probably going to go back to Utah with you at the end yeah Joe is going home I told the Duns and the Palmers I would know by the middle of August whether he was staying or going and I let him know that that Joe's going home with me which has influenced how I approach him because he mouths it as a two-year-old and so so I've been very aware that he's two, both in mind and body, and I just want to make sure I take care of that because I want him to be usable at 5, 15, and 20, and 25. And so I'm, I'm looking at that age going, that's a, that's a blessing and a curse. Uh, I can't push him as hard as a mature horse, but you know what? That's okay because he's he's going home. And then today to to start the weekend, you got introduced to your second horse, and what was that like? Oh, spectacular horse! I mean, I I drew in the first group, and I drew horse number one, and he was really fun to work with. Um, I don't remember the time span we had, but he was very one-sided, which I am. I'm predominantly right-handed, and I can't even write my name left-handed, and he was very very right or left-handed, and and not so much right-handed, but I got him to look in both ways and handling him with the end of the launch whip and, and playing around with him, getting him more comfortable. But I was very impressed with how quiet and calm he was. He wasn't the kind that would be bouncing off the fence. And I, I appreciate that about him and that he was he was comfortable in his own skin, but at the same time, he's willing to let me in the circle. The relationship that you develop so quickly and to watch that, it seems to be one of the, the keys is that is that first interaction that you have kind of sets the table for the rest of the weekend and also probably with your with your first horse as well it's that it's that first interactions that seem to help that connection is that true 
Oh, I absolutely. I'm, the the foundation on these horses is so crucial. I'm very aware that you know you, you blow this deal up on the first day, you got to undo it the second day. So you might as well just do it as it comes and take it as it comes and and bring it forward. And and by the end of the third day, we'll be where we are. But uh, that foundation is just so crucial to these horses to have a good experience with it. And these horses that are part of uh, Tehachapi's culture in this uh, Oak Creek Canyon are a special part of of this community. Community. And many folks don't even realize they're, they're kind of an untold secret, and it's it's now starting to be shared. And this wild horse is, is different than uh, than a domestic. Oh, absolutely. I, I've had a lot of barn-raised horses that don't have the, the willing mind that this horse does and the, the opportunity to be with me. He wants to be with me. He wants to do what I'm asking once he knows what I'm asking. But, yeah, they, it, it's an untapped uh, secret, but you know what? That's okay, too. Will you uh, keep everyone up? updated on your horses uh, through any kind of social media or do you have a website that folks can follow because there are people that draw an interest from what goes on this weekend that want to see what happens a year from now with your horse yeah i'm going to keep i'm going to keep the palmers and the duns updated and my fellow competitors updated as to how joe is doing and so you know that's that's going to be crucial I, i'm not really one to take pictures or have my picture taken so that's a challenge but you know i can sure type up a storm about him and and how proud i am i am of him i can tell you it already shows right now just in, in listening to you talk about him and that relationship you've already developed so best of luck this weekend well thank you very much and thank you for everything you're doing too doll bun announced the event for organizers jeremy and brandy dunn and diana and steve palmer Dahl has a front row seat and watches and observes the horses and trainers all through the event. Dahl really believes in these Oak Creek horses, the good mind and body they have. Dahl was encouraging to me and, in fact, bought my horse Scratch at the auction. He gives Key his impression of the three-day event. Dal, you're out here all three days. You've had a chance to watch all of these trainers work with these horses, both the ones that they've had for 90 days and the ones they just got on Friday. What's your perspective from sitting here watching in the booth? You know, I've been around horses my whole life. I've seen some good ones. I've seen some not so good ones. But this uh, this herd of Oak Creek wild horses that's uh, indigenous to our Tehachapi Mountains has probably got as sharp a mind and willingness as any set of horses I've ever seen. What to, over the three days has impressed you? Just how kind these horses turn out to be. You know, they come here directly from the wild, not touched, other than when the, these geldings were gilded. That was the only other time they've been touched by a human. And within this three-day period, and actually it's three hours, it's not three days. In a three-hour period, some of these horses have turned around phenomenally and starting to trust their humans and actually work with them. You've got different styles of training that's taken place, which is interesting, but the horses seem to, they make that connection. What are the things that you've seen over the three days and those connections that have taken place over the 90-day period? Well, just the will willingness of the horse to uh, diminish the fight or flight responses within them. There's a nine-year-old horse here that was a stallion a little while back, and he had his own band, and he had to fight to keep that band. As wild animals, they're constantly dealing with predators, and their uh, internal instincts is to fight or run. And then they get in a situation where a human puts them in a corner, and uh, they decide to submit. So these trainers, i got to hand it to them, they've done an outstanding job with these horses. What do you think about uh, what the Duns have done bringing this project to to Hatchby last year with the 2014 event. It's grown here in the 2015 event. What's your your thoughts on what uh, Jeremy and Brandy have done? Well, I think along with Jeremy and Brandy, we have to give credit to the Palmers, Steve and Diana, but 
but they have brought attention to this uh, band of wild horses uh, that is uh, remnants of the old ranches that were around here. They've just brought it to light. They've brought a very intelligent, kind horse to the public, if you will, and have given them an opportunity to understand the resources in their own community. I learned a lot about myself over the three days of the Vaquero Heritage Trainers Challenge. One thing I learned is that three days is pretty tough. If you happen to be a bit on the nervous side like me, three days is a long time. A long, long time. Key caught up with me, and I tried to be a good interview subject. And all I can say is at the time, my mind was going in a hundred different directions. Here's Key Budge talking to your host. Okay, John, we're out here at the 2015 Vaquero Heritage Challenge. You were out here at 2014, but not in the trainer circle. No, I was. I do a podcast about horses and horsemanship called the Woe Podcast, and Brandy was kind enough to give me a press pass to come out here, and I did interviews just like this for my show, and also did uh, some photography as well. And what was it about the event that all of a sudden you said, no, I'm not going to cover it for my podcast. I'm going to cover it from the inside and actually uh, work with the horses. I was here from the beginning of day one until the very last horse was auctioned off and I can tell you that these horses are just amazing just to watch their demeanor you it's really hard to imagine them as wild horses and I've been an amateur trainer I'm not near the caliber of the guys that you see out here but I talked to Jeremy and uh, he said well won't you give it a try next year and I really didn't think I had much of a shot but as time got close I said I'm, you know I'm gonna go for it now you've had your first horse for four months now and what's that relationship been like it's really been amazing his name is scratch he's a nine-year-old gelding and it's just been a tremendous experience uh, Bakersfield veterinary hospital uh, volunteered to do his dental work and give him his vaccines and that was pretty good and then uh, I've had a couple of trainers help me out Boone Campbell's helped me out Sean McRoberts horseshoeing has helped me out. And everywhere I turned and just said, hey, I could use a little help you know, with the knowledge of, of horsemanship, no one's turned me away. It's really been an amazing experience. And the horse, the relationship with Scratch has been uh, one that I'll remember for a long time. Are you going to keep him? No, I'm not. I made the decision to sell him when I started this. We have two horses and, you know, you can only ride one horse at a time. And as much as I'd like to keep him, I kind of made the commitment to my wife and that, you know, we would, we would stick with the two horses. So I can hear the emotion in your voice. You already know there's separation coming. Yeah. You know, you've got four. I can hear hear it in your voice. This, there is a deep bond that you have with Scratch. You know, uh, we've spent a tremendous amount of time this the last four months together. So it's going to be a big hole when he's gone. Now, today here on day one, you got introduced to your second horse to start day one. What is What was that like, especially because it was done in front of a crowd? Yeah, that's a little bit nerve-wracking for me to, to go out there and show my horsemanship in front of people. Yeah, um, being an amateur like I am, it's, I'm, I have a few insecurities. But I got number two, the number two horse. I call him Deuce now. He was really good. He's a, he was kind of like reliving the relationship with Scratch, only fast forward. Uh, we had an hour to, to work in that round pen, and Deuce was a little bit uh, flighty, as they all are right at first, but I think I was gaining his trust towards the end, and I made really good progress. Now, what should we look forward to over the course of the three days, as far as you've got a bounce between what you did early this morning with your, your new horse, now going to the veteran seasoned horse that you've had for a summer, I, and that's going to go back and forth. What is that? How, what do you anticipate the challenge to be? It's going to be, uh, for me, it's going to be keeping my nerves in check because Scratch does have a few holes in his training, 
and I'm hoping that they don't show up too much. Uh, in, and we've worked in arenas a lot, but not with around people and speakers and, and things like that going on. The, the new horse, I think, is going to be, for me, the easiest part of the deal because there's I have personal expectations, but working in front of the crowd and feeling the security of the round pen, I can kind of put the crowd out of my mind and just me and that horse in there and, and start to build that relationship. For me, that's going to be the easier of the two. Going out and doing my freestyle on tomorrow afternoon, on Saturday afternoon, that's going to be the most nerve-wracking. So Nerve-wracking for you, but not your horse. I think it's going to be a little bit nerve-wracking for him, too, because I've, I've asked a lot of them, and this last uh, these last 10 days, because of my inexperience, I've really ridden him a lot, and, uh, you know, you kind of wonder, well, is he just getting sick of me? And, and you know, you wonder if you overtrain him a little bit too much, and there might be a little bit of that going on. He he was getting a little bit. These horses are have so much personality, and he's always done what I've asked him to do, but he's, he's kind of has a, you know, sometimes he says, you know, John, can I just get a little break? You know, I used to just roam around on the grass and, and eat and sleep all day. Uh, I don't mind working for my food, but you're asking a lot sometimes, but he's got a good big heart. John, where are you based out of? Uh, I live in Bakersfield. And if folks want to get a hold of you, uh, how can they do that or, or follow your podcast? It's uh, very simple. The We have a website. It's called woepodcast.com and it's W-H-O-A-P-O-D-C-A-S-T.com. And you can, uh, can email, there's an email link there and you can uh, also link to iTunes where you can listen to the podcast. Best of luck this weekend. I appreciate it. Thank you so much for talking to me. Well, that'll do it for this episode. Thanks to Key Budge and the Tehachapi News for allowing us to use the audio. Thanks to all the trainers who participated. I'll have links to their sites in the show notes. If you want to see the video series I recorded with Scratch, visit my YouTube channel. Just do a search for John Hare, all one word, no spaces. If you need help spelling it, it's very easy. J-O-H-N-H-A-R-R-E-R. And when you go to the YouTube, you'll see a playlist called VHTC. I'm hoping to return to a more normal and regular schedule with the show. My vision of the Woe Podcast has never been to remain static. I've looked for interesting guests and topics I thought you might be interested in. Now, the audience has grown. I would like to hear more from you. I would like you to tell me about your horse. How often do you ride? Do you have any training tips? What's the most important concept of horsemanship? And what do you like to hear about on the Woe Podcast? Do you like the book reviews? Do you want more trainers talking about horsemanship? Do you enjoy the experience pieces, talking about sorting or roping or working equitation? There are a couple of ways to give your feedback. You can email me at john at woepodcast.com or you can call and leave a voicemail on a special dedicated line. The number is 661-368-5530. And of course, you can find all these addresses on wopodcast.com. I hope you'll take a moment and share your ideas. And we're working on a new type of podcast, a storytelling podcast. And I'm looking for help. If you ever wanted to try working on a podcast, here's your chance. We'll talk about story ideas, production, interviewing, web posting, and all kinds of stuff. We have a couple of volunteers already, and we could use a couple more. You get the same pay as me, zilch. But you do get the satisfaction of putting together an entertaining and informative show. If you want to help, you know how to contact me. It's at john at 
I occasionally tweet under the handle at WoPodcast, and you can find me on Pinterest and Instagram too. And if you haven't liked the Facebook page, well, let's get after it. Come on, you need a little more homework? Stop by iTunes and post a review. That's the kind of stuff you guys do that have helped the show grow so much. Thanks for all your help. You can find out more about all of this at WoPodcast.com. We have more than 100 audio episodes and links to our YouTube channel with over 70 videos. You can find all our episodes on iTunes, Stitcher, and everywhere else podcasts are distributed. And they're all free. When you stop by the website, join our mailing list. Thanks for listening and sharing this podcast. Until next time, for Renee, this is John Hare encouraging you to go have some fun with your horses. Bye-bye, everybody.